Hi, and thank you for listening to Public Service Psychology Now. This is the podcast series for APA Division 18 members to get division and APA updates. Polls to vote for our next APA president-elect open on September 15th and close on October 29th. And so we want our members to be able to make informed choices about who they vote for. And so in doing so, we're continuing our interviews with the APA president-elect candidates. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Kirk Schneider. And let me start us off first with a brief introduction. So Dr. Kirk Schneider is a leading spokesperson for contemporary existential humanistic and existential integrative psychology. Dr. Schneider is a co-founder and current president of the Existential Humanistic Institute, an award-winning psychotherapy training center. Also a two-term council member and past president of the Society for Humanistic Psychology, that's Division 32 of APA. Dr. Schneider is also a past editor of the Journal of Humanistic Psychology, a trained moderator for the conflict mediation group, Braver Angels, and an adjunct faculty member at Saybrook University and Teachers College, Columbia University. Dr. Schneider is a fellow of five APA divisions and has authored or edited 13 books, including The Spirituality of Awe, The Polarized Mind, Awakening to Awe, The Handbook of Humanistic Psychology, Existential Humanistic Therapy, Existential Integrative Psychotherapy, The Wiley World Handbook of Existential Therapy, and The Depolarizing of America, a guidebook for social healing. Dr. Schneider's work has been featured in Scientific American, The New York Times, The Guardian, Vanity Fair, Psychology Today, BBC World News, and many other health and psychology outlets. For more information on Dr. Schneider's work, visit https colon backslash backslash kirkjschneider.com. And that web address will be in the show notes of this episode. So if you didn't catch it the first time, just uh, look at the show notes. Well, Dr. Schneider, thank you so much for your willingness to do this podcast interview and for allowing us to hear more about your vision. Thanks so much for the opportunity, Tiffany. Well, let's start with um, what are your goals for APA president? Well, my, my main goals, my platforms, really converge on one basic issue, and that is emotionally impoverished relationships. I think our country is in deep crisis with emotionally stunted, uh, emotionally abusive, and unfortunately too often dehumanizing relationships. And I see this as across the, the various sectors of our society here crosses class, race, uh, political ideology, religion, etc. But um, it's probably most acute in marginalized, uh, minoritized communities, communities that feel very disenfranchised from the culture. And uh, you know, these people are carrying burdens that uh, that other people are not caring as much, but uh, but still, I, I see it as as a major problem because so many issues that have fueled it, not least of which is the pandemic, 
which has obviously isolated a lot of people, uh, created more loneliness, uh, has distanced people from person-to-person uh, -person interaction and, and the kind of quality relating and loving that that can bring, uh, made people more reliant on their devices very often, and, and may, it seems to be uh, decaying uh, social skills, I believe, in a number of ways. So there's that, there's, there's issues of uh, people living in their, their own silos, their own echo chambers, and so they're not really communicating with each other. We have such divisiveness, and I would say brokenness, in the country because of that. Political extremism. Uh, you have people who uh, just feel, I think, feel very disenfranchised, very uh, minimized in terms of the, the larger culture. So one of the great problems is, and, and terror management theory, social, social psychology research group has done a lot of work on this, that many people are feeling more and more like they don't count, mm -hmm. a sense of insignificance. And uh, I think that's associated at the deeper levels with uh, the death anxiety, uh, fear of, of uh, helplessness and groundlessness, that is a very primal fear. So uh, all my platforms pertain to this, this problem, and I'd really like to see the APA be mobilized around it. I know your division is active in also addressing these issues. Mm -hmm. um, I can just lay out uh, several of my, my platforms. One way I would address it, is through what I call the Healing Dialogues Movement. And as you mentioned, I am a trained moderator for the conflict mediation group, Braver Angels. Uh, they, they bring uh, self-identified liberals and conservatives together for highly structured, supportive conversations. And I've been extremely impressed with the kinds of shifts that happen or can happen in those groups. And uh, it, seems to me that that is one very important way that people can break out of the silos and begin to see some common ground, especially common humanity, even if they don't agree on the issues. And I've been drawing from that with my own um, conflict mediation approach that I call the experiential democracy dialogue. I've been doing that for over 15 years, started with the Iraq war in 2003, whereas Braver Angels began with the election of Trump and the divisiveness at that time. But uh, I've been uh, giving webinars. I wrote a book, as you mentioned, The Depolarizing of America, that has collected my experience, both as a moderator for Braver Angels and facilitator for uh, the Experiential Democracy Dialogue. Uh, and I, I wanna really emphasize that the Experiential Democracy Dialogue is a one-on-one -on -one conflict mediation approach. I believe it's a more intimate experiential kind of approach to uh, bringing people together from you know, a whole range of conflicting backgrounds. Could be liberal conservative, politically, could be religious, 
racial, uh, gender issues. We've had a whole variety of people from contrasting backgrounds. And I've, I've drawn some from the Braver Angels format, but basically it's a six-phase model that I lay out in detail in the book. And in the seminars, I'm trying to give away the tools that I found so helpful in my own life and, and work with this. Um, I also call for a relational equity task force to bring uh, more quality, in many cases, longer term, emotionally reparative relationships, both to the mental health setting and organizational settings in our country. And I really see this as, uh, as alarming as what spawned the uh, Works Progress Administration funding project. I see it, I mean, I would call for a WPA style funding for recruiting psychologists to uh, not only provide these healing dialogues throughout the country, but to uh, work more in especially uh, marginalized, disenfranchised communities so that people can get substantive mental health and organizational care. Whereas right now, you know, the wealthier classes, more privileged classes, do have more of that benefit and it's, it's a tragedy and, and it's, I believe, uh, fueling many of the, the social crises that we're facing, you know, from depression, anxiety, addictions, to, to crime, to um, hate groups, violence. People, and in the past, we, we've had these, unfortunately, because of lack of funding, I think more or less patch up jobs to help people. And I, I just don't think that's, that's enough. I, I think we need people and, and psychologists are in wonderful positions to provide this. And I sense your division in particular uh, would be a very prime group to provide that kind of uh, support and care in these communities. So I'd call for a task force to really identify how best this could be done and bringing more relational equity, quality relational equity to the country. Uh, third, I would call for a summit of the leaders of all the specialties of APA to discuss how each specialty would best address the psychosocial crises that we face, the main crises. And it's, it's a way of tapping into our, the, the riches of, of what we can offer our culture right now. And we would gather the information and, and uh, use our media channels through APA, or perhaps create a paper that we distribute that communicates both to the public and to the government um, these psychologically evidence-based ways of addressing uh, major crises. And along with that, finally, I, I call for a federal office of psychological consultants to be available 24 seven within the government. Um, right now, we have offices, but they tend to be subordinated to the medical field and medical officers, like the Surgeon General, 
NIMH, to a large degree SAMHSA as well, Substance Abuse and Mental Health Administration. We don't have an office that is concertedly about uh, using psychosocial means to address the alarming crisis in the country. It seems to me we need to stand toe to toe with medicine. We need to be as visible as medicine. We need to be a top priority in the country, not, not just a, a sort of stepchild, if you will. Mm -hmm. that, that is much more, more visible. I, can, I think it would be much more visible through media, uh, more, uh, we would amplify the voice of APA, APA advocacy, which is doing an excellent job. I, mean, I think we've really mobilized in the last few years to uh, have you know, these kinds of influences in, in the government. But this would just take it a step further and certainly would be in coordination with APA advocacy. But this would be a group of people from a wide range of disciplines, psychosocial disciplines, that uh, would be available to the president, to legislators, uh, perhaps to the diplomatic corps, and to the public to, to advise on these issues. Again, 24-7. I mean, right now, our organization does the best it can to, you know, to, to bring out these, these offerings, but uh, I think there's, there's only so much an organization can do as distinct from a, an actual office, like the AMA in relation to uh, uh, the Surgeon General, for example. So that gives you some idea, that's a very full meal, but uh, I, I think it, it also resonates from my understanding uh, with uh, your, very much with your group. Yeah, I, I would say so. And um, just kind of struck by just how, how needed it is right now in our country um, to be able to, I, um, like the healing dialogues that just that that in particular resonates um, because there is so seems to be so much polarization and demonizing of the other and um, yeah. but really bringing people together and on a similar note like you're bringing together the experts or desire to bring together the experts from the different you know specialties um, to figure out how do we solve some of these these psychosocial you know problems like bring our heads together and mm -hmm. also helping to maybe raise our our visibility be able to get the word out more if we also have some direct you know connection to the government or you know yes. um, maybe be utilized more so it's really um some, this could be really powerful well i appreciate that i i, I feel i feel that not only powerful, but, but imperative. I just feel a very, very strong urgency for us, you know, moving out of our own professional silos to the degree we can and uh, getting out in, into the street, so to speak. I mean, mm -hmm. now it's on Zoom, unfortunately, at least much of it, but still we're connecting with more people. Uh, I think we should have much more interjurisdictional uh, telehealth too. We should have we, we should have waivers for that. A, APA, I'd like to see APA advocate for that for all the states. Um, 
but uh, yeah, the the question of making available the, the riches of our perspectives and of what so many of us who have been more privileged to have been able to tap into these resources have experienced, to be able to offer that to the, the broader and more diverse country. Well, I just think uh, this is the time, if, if there's any time. And this is not even to mention the climate crisis and you know how many environmental ills that we face if if we don't humanize, help to humanize our culture and 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 restore a more humanistic ethics in the country. So people are paying more attention to these things. We mentioned some about how the, how some of these touch on the work, the interest of those of us in public service psychology. Um, so kind of tying in with this question, but how familiar are you with Division 18? Well, I'm, I'm somewhat familiar with Division. I mean, I, I realize and it's probably a division that I should join because it does seem so resonant, but uh, I realize that you, uh, you work you know, in various settings, the hospital setting, the criminal justice settings with police. Uh, I think you work with Native Americans as well. And uh, it seems to me these are, these are all areas that are ripe for the kind of platforms that I'm, I'm calling for. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I'd like to see a core of us uh, move, move into and be available to uh, let's say hospital settings to bring a more holistic, integrated approach to hospitals where people have readier access to psychological care uh, given their physical issues. And by the way, I, I see, for example, relational equity as having a lot of offsets, one of them being medical. I think uh, the more we can help people to work with their psychological challenges around healthcare, uh, you know, physical issues, that uh, they, they would be less likely to need, uh, you know, the, the kinds of medical care that so many of us uh, seek out now, which I think is what I understand is uh, it's almost 50% of the people who visit doctors have basically psychological concerns or a, a great deal of psychosomatic uh, issues that, that are involved in, in the uh, general medical care system. So there, there's offsets there. There's, there's tremendous offsets, I think, in the criminal justice system and with policing. Uh, I'd like to see the healing dialogues approach applied to police cadets, for example, uh, perhaps pairing them with people in, in the community, diverse people in the community to humanize uh, their ability to uh, engage with these people and for the people in the community to be able to humanize, see the fuller picture of the human being of the officer, let's say, 
Uh, I mean, that, that's really what those dialogues are all about. They're, they're about helping people to see more than the stereotypes or the labels that we throw at each other, which really comes out of fear. I mean, it comes out of these very, I think, primal fears of, of being uh, dissed or, uh, uh, you know, feeling again, like you don't matter with this person. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's, that's one of the most primal terrors that one could experience, it seems to me. And by exposure to uh, people of different backgrounds, uh, I have found, we have found in these groups that people connect in surprising ways, and especially when it's kind of an intimate context. And it's, it, it happens gradually. We, we don't just throw people into a, a dialogue about a charged issue right away. We, we begin with, first of all, just having them envision what it might be like to sit with this person that you've agreed to work with, uh, with their issue or with the issue that you, you're agreed to work with. And then can you clear a space for the human being before you, not just the label or what you've been taught in some uh, group, you know, or you know, your parental system. And we have people talk about what it was like to grow up and especially how their family system dealt with the particular issue at hand. Um, so again, we're filling out more of the picture of the mm -hmm. person and, and then come into the dialogue. And uh, then we have other exercises like a stereotypes exercise where, pe where people identify how they've been stereotyped. And, and then they talk about uh, the false and misleading aspects of the stereotype to fill out the picture more. And then they talk about the nuggets of truth to the stereotype. So that again, we become more complete, vulnerable human beings who, who tend to be more accessible in that way as well and be seen more by their partner. Uh, anyway, then they can ask questions of each other. And then there's a discovery results phase at the end where they look at well, what have you learned about yourself, about the other? And is there any room for common ground? And I should mention also that the whole thing is really oriented toward coming from a place of curiosity mm. and, and mm -hmm. genuine interest in where is this person coming from, uh, as opposed to presumption or a certain right. accusation, which is the usual kind of breakdown of these dialogues so quickly. Right. We have ground rules that really try to keep this in place. Um, so I, I, I could see that that kind of dialogue process being applied in the police academies. And in fact, mm -hmm. I've worked with a police, white police officer and a black activist. It's available on YouTube with an earlier version of this, this approach. Uh, but I've, I've also worked with other police officers and they, they have been very positive about the results. Of course, it's helpful to have larger groups of people and an organization behind you to, to make these things move. <laughs> right. Turn them into, into action versus one guy crying in the, in the wilderness. <laughs> so anyway, I, I think healing dialogues could also relate to work perhaps in the Native American communities, in the criminal justice system, certainly. 
Yeah, I could, I could see how this could just uh, like just across the board how yeah. how meaningful that that exercise could be for people. Yes, you know, across the board, um, and certainly definitely relates to us and in Division eighteen and and um, you mentioned the the link to the YouTube video. I'll I'll include that link in the show notes um, if people are interested in seeing seeing it. Um, well, let me um, ask the follow-up question, also yeah. kind of connecting to Division 18, but how do you see the role of public service psychology in connection with your presidential initiatives? And you kind of mentioned this, but I guess anything right. you want to expand upon? Well, again, I, I want to emphasize the idea of co-creating a core of psychologists who would be willing and able to really spread throughout the country and bring the, the riches again of what we have to offer in our specialties to various sectors of the public. And so certainly I would see Division 18 in public service as a prime component of, of that uh, that core. I mean, this is what we're, we're taught to be and do in many ways as psychologists. But my sense is that those in public service, you know, have that capacity compounded. I mean, it's just that much more of a specialty and background for, for people in your, your society. So yeah, I, I would look to you. <laughs> and I would also look to you for, uh, for input, advice, um, where, where you see the, the crises, where you see the needs for mediation. I think you'd be a very important part of certainly of that summit of leaders that I'd, be, I'd call for, also relational equity task force, healing dialogues, input about uh, federal office, because that certainly uh, resonates with your, uh, your bailiwick too, you know. If we could have public service psychology right in the the cabinet, <laughs> that would be the ideal, I suppose. That'd be incredible. But the government in some significant mm -hmm. way, HHS, you know, Health and Human Services. Wouldn't that be something uh, for us to amplify our, amplify our voice, our influence? Not everybody will, will take to that idea uh, readily. I mean, I think some people may feel that psychologists become part of the bureaucracy in, in that way and imposing their view. So this is where I think it would be very important in getting input about how to really organize and shape this kind of, or these kinds of programs so that they don't seem like impositions on people, but more like invitations. Hmm. It's really my idea is to make this much more available to people for whom it's almost never available. 
And I, I think you basically answered this, my next question about how do you imagine engaging Division 18 and or its members in your initiatives? And mm-hmm. I think you hit on that. Um, but is there anything else you'd like to share with our members before we kind of wrap up this, this episode? I'm curious, do you have any ideas about how Division 18 could contribute to these, uh, these projects proposed? Yeah. You know, I, um, I was just thinking about that as far as I know a number, obviously not many or most of our um, members do work in government settings. And, you know, when you mentioned having somebody, I'm kind of thinking of that psychologist who's more centralized in the government, they're like White House kind of, you know, um, but if there were some ways to also link them to psychologists in our other, you know, government settings, if there was some kind of liaison to help kind of, I'm thinking, um, oh gosh, am I, I'm terrible with the, let me, I'll describe this image in my mind of like, you know, and like it's sports, sporting events where they do the wave, but some kind of cascade you know, of the messaging or intervention, you know, uh, best practices or, or whatever that might be. Um, but, but also something where it's a, it's a two-way communication and not just from the top down. Yeah, yeah that, that would be very important. But when you're kind of thinking about kind of getting that more far-reaching message, that's, what, that's just what comes to mind. I don't know. So a way of amplifying the vision yeah. of messages yeah. Um, just because we're we're kind of all over the place, and I think the beauty too about um, the settings that we work in is that we're also helping to bring up the next generation of psychologists. You know, a lot of us, like in the VA or you know Bureau of Prisons and some of our other work settings, you know, we're we're bringing up the next generation through our internship and postdoctoral programs, and so. Um, and kind of thinking about how to kind of in, include them or, um, yeah. um, you know, only because some of them stay, some of them move out into, you know, the private sector, but again, then they can help amplify, you know, the inf- whatever, the message in their own work settings. Maybe well, I'm babbling on here. I'm just, no, I, I <laughs> but registering with is, is how much this is about a youthful movement, it seems to me. This is about energizing our profession and yeah. energizing people who, who hunger, you know, to, to cultivate even more of a sense of meaning and purpose through their psychological ex- expertise. Yeah. And my sense is there's a lot of young people who are, who are very much in that, place yeah that's why they're probably in embarking on this career for that very reason yes yes it's a way of expanding it out mm-hmm. you look thoughtful so <laughs> <I'm wondering> <laughs> no, sorry the viewers can't get or the listeners can't uh can't see them sometimes I, I get lost in in a thought and i apologize for for you oh. dr schneider and I'm just curious if there was something cooking there. Oh, uh, no, I don't have any, I don't have a good congealed. I don't have a good, um, 
I'm not there yet. Um, but it's just very aspirational, you know, um, what you're what you're trying to attempt. And but but it seems also in, on some level doable. I'm just the scalability is um, anyway. So that's why I'm thinking like how the scale what you're what you're trying to achieve. But well, I think we would have to go after funding for sure. And pretty good at that. I mean, getting grants. government, corporate, and just benevolent grants, we would, that's why I, I would try to, you know, make this a, a rallying cry about a WPA style. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're giving all kinds of money to a lot of areas in this country that, uh, in my view, and many people's view, don't relate to core issues that if not dealt with, just going to take us down even further. Right. Well, I have to say it's just been a, it's been a pleasure speaking with you and hearing about your vision and, um, and, and it's, I can see where your background, you know, definitely relates to, to what your, your goals are and, I wish you the best. Thanks, thanks so much, Tiffany. I really appreciated our, our engagement here. So. Well, thank you for your time. And I guess I'll go ahead and bring this episode um, to a close by, um, again, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Schneider, for, for being here with us and for sharing um, your vision. And also thank you to the listeners for tuning in. I certainly hope that you're finding, um, you know, kind of learning a little bit more about our candidates helpful um, as you are, you know, get ready for the polls to open. Um, and so, um, like I mentioned earlier, I'll be sure to include the links to Dr. Schneider's website and also to that YouTube video. And um, just like I'm doing with other candidates in the show notes, including their candidate um, websites. And so more interviews with the candidates are on the way. So be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you'll automatically receive those new episodes as they're released. Okay, everyone, take good care. Bye. Bye-bye.